Hey guys, and welcome back to the Social Saint podcast. Um, so today I've got another special episode for you guys, as always. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna be discussing a few things today. Um, but we've got an interesting conversation and a conversation I've really been wanting to have for a while now. Mm. Um, and it's 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 become a conversation that uh, yeah. So I've really wanted to have this conversation. For multiple reasons because there's a lot going on in the media right now there's a lot going on just in general um and i felt like you know at first i thought oh am i gonna speak on this you know but um i think if you listen to my podcast regularly you would have heard a podcast back in when was it now i think may i did or june i did a podcast with my brother and my cousin on race and their experiences as black men um and i was always saying yeah i really want to do one on my experience and you know just general experiences as a black woman um and then I just kind of thought oh you know am I going to do that who am I going to do it with what am I going to talk about um and then obviously recently many people will see the conversations that have been happening on social media about protecting black women um and kind of what we should be doing in society to protect black women and I thought okay I cannot not speak about this so I wanted to come at it from a different angle and speak about it from a different perspective a kind of fresh perspective um so i got on the podcast with me my good friend sydney um (laughs) who's obviously just amazing so if you want to quickly introduce yourself sydney just say who you are quick 60 second elevator pitch yeah yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) for one minute (laughs) (laughs) um so my name's sydney samuels um i am the co-founder and managing director of loop not luck which is a diverse talent recruitment platform we're trying to be a pipeline um to help diverse talent get into um, into corporate jobs and um, to kind of reduce the imbalance on the landscape in terms of access to opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a school governor um, and I'm mm-hmm. the link governor for um, for careers, um, which links nicely into Loop um, <laughs> and also for disadvantaged students. Um, but I have also have a full time job working in financial technology. So yeah, a lot of a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Perfect. So that sounds really cool. So yeah, like Sydney mentioned, completely qualified for this conversation. I'm so excited to have it with, with you. But what I really wanted to get into, and I'll just quickly introduce the topic before me and Sydney dissect it, but I really wanted to talk about something called misogynoir, which, you know, I'm going to quickly explain for anyone that's not familiar with the word. Misogynoir is a word that is, it's, it's, it's a coined phrase. It's not really, te- it's not, I don't think it's in the dictionary, um, which is supposed to be, um, it's supposed to be any kind of prejudice or injustice towards black women so specifically black women so if you know what misogyny is which is specifically to women um, misogynoir is kind of an additional like to black women in specific so i really wanted to get into that but i also wanted to specifically get into misogynoir in the workspace and kind of like corporate spaces which is why i grabbed sydney for this podcast because i think it's really interesting in the dynamics in corporate spaces especially as you know to working business women in in london i think that it's a real interesting conversation and i've not really heard many people speak on it so sydney i I wanted to ask you what is your understanding just as a basic level not really career specific but just as a basic understanding like what is your understanding of misogynoir and how how have you experienced it per se um so like you said it's like the it's where um gender and race intersect Mm. um and I think that within the kind of corporate sphere, um, like these kind of big institutions like to tackle things in silos. Mm. Um, They're like, okay, we'll have a women's network, we'll have an LGBTQ plus A network, and we'll have um, like a a life and family network. Mm. And okay, these kind of networks or Mm. kind of um, like committees within organizations that sometimes partner up. Mm -hmm. But actually I think that when you look at things in such a linear way mm-hmm. where the kind of intersectionality and the overlap mm-hmm. is for some people that are working there mm-hmm. um kind of gets missed yeah um and i think that's kind of my understanding in terms of um massage noir um yeah it's kind of they're addressed as two separate issues but mm-hmm. when you when you overlap them it becomes a completely different issue yeah um that's not that's not addressed or really kind of recognized yeah and it's, it's so true and i wanted to get into an example of this just so you know people can kind of see what i mean but um i think i can't remember which which um championship it was but serena williams um had a championship where she had a game kind of like just qualified i don't know how it 
football acts but mm. she got like a game penalty or whatever um which was due to her behavior on the pitch so um and it was like really it was one of the massive like kind of like case she smashed her racket didn't she yeah she yeah. smashed her racket and it's funny because that's what that moment is known for yeah but it's ironic because if you actually watch the match um and the reason why people call it an example of misogynoir is because the reason why she got the penalty in the first place was because her coach was sending her signals which is obviously a penalty to her coach not to her because she can't she can't control that do you yeah. know what i mean so she was so she went to the ref like what like you know or the umpire I should say, <laughs> the ref it's, because it's, it's tennis girl but you know she said like well you know what was that about and then he was like oh he was giving you signals and she was like but that's him that's not me like there's mm. that from what i understand there's no like you know penalty for that or whatever yeah and then you know she got quite upset about it and then later on in the match she smashed her racket and then um no, she said something to him. No, she he gave her a penalty again for speaking to him or like abusing him, quote unquote. Yeah. Then obviously later on in the match, she smashed her racket. And you know, there was that whole thing of where someone drew an image of her being like some kind of like beastly, like muscular, gorilla, yeah, yeah, gorilla-like horrible. person smashing yeah. a, a racket. And, um, you know, a lot of people said, well, yeah, she should get a penalty because, you know, her behavior was awful um, and so on and so forth. Um, and that's a whole argument for her behavior. But, um, the actual penalty itself when you do any like or even just her behavior or smashing rackets they found that with other players both white men and white women and black tennis players they found that there had been so many cases where it had been unpenalized Mm. yeah um so even with the racket smashing let alone the signals from the like the coach there had been hardly any with that particular umpire they'd found like up to and this is just with a quick research on like you know i think it was later on that day on instagram they had like 11 examples of him not penalizing the exact same behavior um and it was white women and white men so um so that was seen as an example of misogynoir um and i think that's the only way i can kind of describe it is when the same behavior is almost punished or received in a different way because of the person perpetrating or behaving or doing any form of action um so that's just the only example i can kind of give i think it's because um obviously different people are viewed through different lenses in society yeah absolutely and it's especially with everything that's been going on with meg the stallion and tory lanes in mm. terms of like protect black women mm. and like we need to protect our black women because they're the most um mm. kind of abused people Mm -hmm. in society whether you're in the states or Mm -hmm. whether you're in the uk or um i'm not sure kind of what i'm I'm pretty sure actually the rest of the world i can Mm -hmm. pretty confidently say that Mm -hmm. um and i think that i think that 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 needs to be recognized in Mm -hmm. terms of the fact that there is a an extra level of awareness Mm -hmm. and i I'd like to make a note that I think it differs for black women and mixed race women. Mm. I think that it is a slightly different, different experience. experience. Yeah. Um, and I am a I'm mm. a mixed race woman, so mm. obviously yeah. my experience I think it would be quite different mm-hmm. in different spaces mm. if I was fully black. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could get we could go yeah, to that later. Go again to but um, I still think that. Um, in terms of like black women, there is a hyper awareness not to mm-hmm. feed into that lens and that stereotype of mm. being aggressive, rude, um, overly opinionated, mm-hmm. having too much attitude, mm-hmm. um, and and then and yeah, and, and Serena, she doesn't she doesn't apologize for anything, and she's yeah. a passionate sportswoman. Yeah, and um, and it's funny because that again was obviously not her first experience of. I mean, she she's she's the best tennis player in the world like female woman i should say Mm. tennis player in the world but she's also in a predominantly white sport um and i'm you know and male dominated sport you know so i'm not surprised Mm. to say that that wouldn't have been her first experience obviously of misogynoir noir in tennis it was more interesting as opposed to the actual incident itself it was more interesting the media's reaction to it you know 
Serena melt has a meltdown, aggressively attacks umpire. Yeah. You know, absolutely. When you see, I mean, if Roger Federer did the same thing, I, you know, I'd be interested to see what the reaction would be. And that's not to say it wouldn't be similar. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know much about tennis and how it's picked up in the press, but I just think it's really interesting. And that's the only example I can really give that was quite clearly because you know, of the examples that people pulled up straight away of the exact same behaviour being judged by the exact same umpire um, of an example of misogynoir. And um, it's just it's just really interesting. I think it's really layered. Um, in terms of yourself, would you, would you say you've had many experiences? I think in the UK, um, I feel like in the UK, we always kind of compare ourselves to the States. Mm. And um, I think in the UK, things are very much kind of under the surface and mm. kind of um subtle and if you weren't aware of it or if it wasn't you that was experiencing it you could very easily mm. miss it yeah. i don't think that um misogyny noir and racism is mm. as overtly expressed mm. as as in the as in the united states mm. but little things so if i um i used to work at a big investment bank um if i kind of came in with my hair out mm -hmm. like big and curly oh, um, if we get into hair it's a whole uh, <laughs> um lots of comments and i'm like that's mm. fine i don't think that's particularly mm. like clearly like yesterday my hair was back in a little bun and now mm. i've got a huge afro like mm. there is there is something to notice yeah, yeah but um so i don't find the comments particularly um like wrong yeah um but there was this one time um when like a colleague of mine, I was in the kitchen making a coffee, you know, that small mm. talk that you always do. And um, he just, he was like, wow, your hair looks great. And he just, he literally just put his hand <gasps> in my hair. No, he did not. Like, like, um, yeah. And I was just, I was a bit shocked. I was like, imagine if I just came up to you and just ran my fingers through your hair. Like, I was like, I'm, and I'm someone who, who is not a shy person. <laughs> and- I Sorry, HR, <laughs> HR. <laughs> and he doesn't apologize for kind of for being black, being mixed race, and like, and I just I say what I think, yeah. um, and I was like, I just immediately was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, I don't know where your hands have been, and yeah. like, if I did that to you, wouldn't you find that weird? And yeah. he was like, he kind of recoiled and was yeah. like, uh, a yeah. white guy, and I'm just like, it's like completely inappropriate. Yeah, um, same thing. Like, if I if I got braids, same mm. thing. Um, and it's not it's not out of like mm. a necessary like awareness in terms mm. of a dislike. Mm. It's just out of ignorance mm. um, that I think sometimes it can be expressed. Yeah. Um, but definitely on deeper and like systemic issues, mm -hmm. um, I think that there is there is a lot more to unpack in in the, in different situations. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's a very clear like. Um, kind of example in terms of like just little kind of microaggressions in the workplace mm. um, that some people would like maybe not even notice or, or recognise as being wrong yeah, or being weird. I yeah. think it's a bit weird. I think it's really strange. For me, so my experience of misogyny noir ironically actually came from a black man um, and the only way I can describe how he was was like he didn't seem to... Uh, lack of a better term embrace his blackness <laughs> almost yeah. you know you guys can infer what that means um but yeah so he was kind of of that like kind of position if almost and you know when he sees me join the team he straight away came um to me in the you know at first he didn't acknowledge me he didn't kind of want to be seen with me for yeah. a while you know mm. and then um came up to me in the uh staff room one day he's like oh so where are you from sister because he found out i was jamaican and honestly i was like what of a terrible jamaican yeah, uh, i was like oh. i'm from lewisham lewisham <laughs> that's where i'm from because i know what you're trying to get out of me and i'm not going to give it to you do you yeah. know what i mean and so he was just that's kinda, just a bit weird yeah yeah yeah, yeah very weird behavior but that wasn't even it so just i felt like the whole time i was on that team it was like my experience of it is more like ongoing as opposed to like an incident so it was just like his kind of behavior towards me um very treated me extremely different to the other women um white women and asian women in the team mm. um like was surprised if i told him anything intellectual like i would be like oh yeah so i'm working on this or i do this in my spare time or you know um i studied this and it'd be like a massive surprise to him 
Um, and it was like the underlying undertone that you actually don't think. Um, yeah, it's the lens that he views you through. through. Yeah, and it's something that's hard because you can't put your. I th- I think overall he he does have you know he's even for the other women in the team he didn't show the utmost respect for them. But I definitely don't think the way that he treated me was like just because I was a woman. It was also you know there was some racial tones to it like. Um, and I do think that it was that whole idea, I don't know if he, you know, like he's married to a white woman and stuff like that. And I think that he really doesn't have necessarily the best view of black women. It's not an accurate view, at least, just to say the least. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But, um, and so, you know, always used to make like snide kind of remarks and stuff like that in team meetings and stuff like that. Black, oh, I pretended not to pick any of it up because he, I'm here to I get could paid. Not, I could not do that, you I'm know. I'm here to get paid, you know? And I, I was junior, like, marketing exec at the time. So it's like, mm. you know, I couldn't really, he's like, lead, like, you know, so I couldn't really say much, but um, it was really weird. It was not really, you know, because I've experienced it from white people and, you know, people of other races before, but like, specifically a black man it was a really weird experience um especially in the workplace where it's not like you're just here for banter like you actually want to progress in your career and so to some degree you kind of not just have to because like you said you're the kind of person that just goes up against it but i i was i would now but at the time i wasn't that kind of person so for a lot of the remarks i just kind of took it because like i said i was here to get paid and to get experience and ducker and that's exactly what i did but um it put me in a position where I felt like I had to be subject to it. And that's what I hated the most, if that makes sense. So from the person that you were then and the person mm-hmm. that you are now, what do you think's changed? Do you think you've become more kind of confident in who you are? I mean, as your friend, I can tell mm-hmm. that, that there's oh, been absolutely. there's been tremendous amounts of growth yeah, over yeah. the last couple of years. It's because I now realise I don't need anyone to do that. Like, mm. I've proved so much that I could do my job and more there. And also, uh, just confidence on a general level. I just have way more confidence in myself. And I just think, like that was part of the refining process it was because of experiences like that that i gained um that i gained the confidence that i have now but also just because i think to myself like i just i don't have time for it now like i like now i'm the kind of person that will put it up then that like even if someone made a comment in the meeting now mm. i wouldn't wait to bring it up with them after i'd say sorry can you run that by me again <laughs> like yeah. like in, in meetings i even say um i, I actually haven't finished talking oh um, like, have you seen the thing or that, that camilla <laughs> harris when she's speaking i, I was speaking <laughs> which says that yeah yes, that was me that was me from before yeah. <laughs> i was like yeah i was people were like just completely like talk over me mm-hmm. and i'm just like that's I, a that's another i actually haven't finished my point yeah. or just be like um or if they've like if they actually have like just taken the attention, mm-hmm. I'd be like, um, just to carry on from what I was saying mm-hmm. before, not mm-hmm. before I was rudely interrupted, yeah, yeah. but like just to say, yeah. oh, I actually haven't finished. Like, yeah, let let, let me land essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that I don't know. I think that I've never really had that inhibition to, um, I guess that awareness in terms mm-hmm. of, I, I don't know. How to how to properly articulate mm. it, but that kind of um, doubt. I mean, there's a time and a place, but um, I guess I I've I've kind of gone in the opposite way in terms mm-hmm. of developed more of a filter yeah. and learned how to navigate situations to get the outcome that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than basically winning the war instead of winning the battle because mm-hmm. calling someone out is not always the best way to get them on to, on your side yeah. and it's about kind of um bringing people closer rather yeah. than bringing people away mm-hmm. and i think one something that i actually wanted to ask you um when you were mm-hmm. telling me about that experience was um do you think that there's there's something to find or maybe i don't know if advantage is the right word but in terms of being underestimated by people in general. So like type, it's kind of, maybe you can put misogyny to the side a little bit. Mm-hmm. In terms of, he 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 views you mm-hmm. and he, he underestimates you because of that lens that he that he it. has of you mm-hmm. in terms of she's, she's a black woman, so mm-hmm. insert X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there is, does that, you think that there's, there's anything positive that could come out of that? Uh, being underestimated. I mean, when they say 
you're underestimated it always looks like you've over delivered so I suppose from that perspective because then when I did you know take a more senior position um I was able to to, to deliver and you know it was seen mm. as a, oh wow she's progressed where is it also within me but you know um I don't actually know if there's a benefit I don't I can't see an obvious one mm. um but I think it's just an interesting um it's an interesting point because um I think that sometimes you know like when you talk about racism when you talk about sexism I think that a lot of people can view it as like a oh woe me Mm. kind of thing I'm a victim and I don't think that I think that sometimes not all the time Mm -hmm. sometimes the um the things in your life that are hurdles or come across as Mm -hmm. um barriers to success or barriers to kind of having an easy life Mm -hmm. or um things that make your path Mm -hmm. um I don't know like a different texture to the kind of traditional path can sometimes build that like grit and resilience and Mm -hmm. um character in you that can really take you further and over and above other people so you having to um to like navigate that situation with a weird black Mm. senior like colleague yeah um I can't see any like direct positives that can come out of him having that kind of um approach towards you and kind of those kind of sly like weird comments and stuff Mm. like that but I can see that you've kind of taken that bad situation and kind of I don't know like feel like that kind of Know, taken the yeah. energy and then kind of yeah. used it to re to rebuild yourself or like a phoenix re- out of ashes yeah baby. like um, used it to kind of <laughs> as a layer of resilience yeah. and that's gonna hopefully um come in come in handy in the future so mm. that's kind of my view it's true and i think obviously like i mentioned when someone is um, in a man- managerial position and i wanted to speak about this what because one of my examples as well um, that I was going to mention, especially in corporate spaces of like my experiences with misogynoir, um, is I had a colleague at my at my old workplace as well, and he was a white male, mm-hmm. and we were equally trained in a particular job, um, and we had, you know, he was obviously getting paid a lot more than me don't even need to say that because it's just the truth mm. we know how did, you, did he tell you how much you got paid uh he didn't but somebody did <laughs> <laughs> so he's getting paid a lot more than me and it was clear from conversations yeah um so uh there was that um he was made an exec and had the exact same skills as me um and the way he treated me was horrendous but that's for another story um but this the thing was wasn't just the way he treated me that was what it was the way that he was viewed by the team in, in comparison to me that really like what you're saying about speaking in meetings is exactly exactly what i experienced as in i wasn't you know i was in the meet we had had weekly team meetings um and when it came to my section my manager was asked about the work i did not me yeah. when it came to his section he had 20 minutes to give a full debrief of what he's been and no one cared sorry <laughs> no one cared honestly what he was doing was not interesting but it was just like and it was the same thing every week but it was like it's interesting because we're in you know equal positions but we was before he you know anyway um but it's like what well, i wasn't even asked about my work you know he was my manager was but he was able to give a full debrief and stuff like that and obviously there was you know different movements in the team and stuff like that but just the way that he was viewed in the team and just like he really played up to the managers and really was the the um teacher's golden child yeah, yeah the teacher's back the golden child like um really would snitch you out just to like you know <laughs> just to do whatever he's doing um but th- he was already from coming in straight away off the bat was seen as like and it was he wasn't more trained than me didn't have more skills and the funny thing is the thing that really ground my gears about this whole situation is every single day this guy was coming up to me asking me how to do stuff and i was thinking how are you now been an exec getting paid this much and you don't even know how to do my level and i'm a junior exec and it's like it doesn't even make sense that you are coming to me every day and it was like it doesn't it was quite clear 
that you're, you're sitting by my desk every day asking me and I'm showing you how to do stuff yeah. it's, it's quite clear to the team who who's experienced here yeah but yet you you know and it was just such an example of like quite clear cut you know but because our job roles weren't directly the same titles I couldn't take it and be like gender equality pay gap I mean I couldn't really directly say that because the way that it was done was so like I don't know like so do you think if if they were you would have yeah, of course I would. Excuse me, I need my money. <laughs> like, if I know someone is getting paid six grand more than me, do less than me, of course I'm going to go to HR for to get my money, honey. Oh, my wait, money, are you, honey. Are, are you ain't. Someone, somebody's, something's happening. Yeah. But because I couldn't, it was like, I just need to leave. And that's what I did. Just left. Interesting, because um, he created a perception and it became reality. Mm. And I think that... Um, but if we're thinking about like the big picture in the world, it's like mm. your your kind of online presence is your reality mm. to everyone else apart from you. Mm. When you kind of like turn off your phone and you're left with yourself, mm. I think that um, if we're talking about society, I think that a lot of people will talk the talk and be the image, mm. but are they actually like? Do they have the substance and the know how to back it up? Mm. Um, I think that's why like representation and images is, are so important when people mm. think why does this advert need to have black people in it blah blah mm. blah all this other stuff but it actually it all kind of like, chips away at people's perception of others mm. and um, even um, so I started watching um, Designated Survivor mm-hmm. on um, Netflix have you seen it? No I haven't <laughs> it's terrible but it's great um, and um I'm watching this the guy who's um who's playing the president and um I'm just thinking like I can see even though he's a white man who's playing this character I can see a black president saying these things and doing these things because there has been someone who's done that and been in that position and I don't know why I was thinking about it um yesterday and I was like it's the representation is so important mm. and I don't know about the company that you worked for but like are there any black senior no females so- females absolutely not (laughs) the only other black but do you know what I mean if there was hold on was that there was no other black females other than in like other departments like there was two other black women and this is a massive if I said the name of this company disgrace you guys (laughs) Um, but there was no other black there was no other black women a mm. um, couple of a black men not really they were mostly in sales and in marketing no one on board level no one in executive positions mm. so no yeah in terms of representations mm. of um, black female talent mm. no one in that organisation especially if they are from a white background they probably mm. don't have that in their kind of friendship group or their day-to-day lives nobody's seen Mm -hmm. successful black women that Mm -hmm. i guess aren't like celebrities or like sports people yeah i mean it's important that we have that in business as well Well, yeah absolutely um i think that it's all these are all like little pieces of the pie Mm. that all kind of and it's funny because you say this about people being on board level i mean you've spoken about this before but like that person on the board isn't necessarily a representative like yeah you know of the people let's say yeah so i guess the whole point of diversity mm-hmm. is not just to say oh yeah we've got 50 percent women oh yeah we've got some we've got some black people in there we've yeah, got some, some asians Asian in there yeah. <laughs> what was yeah. i mean okay okay you've got a disability great yeah um okay you, you came from, see yeah, yeah you came from a low-income background you didn't go to eton so you must be from a low-income yeah. background um okay great we're diverse mm-hmm. but if everyone has Gone, st- gone to Oxford or Cambridge and studied the same type of degree and mm. had the same career path you've all got a similar um, way of thinking mm. you would assume mm. um, and it's not so much about um, like the, the assumption is that diversity in itself mm-hmm. in terms of the fact that you will experience the world differently mm-hmm. as um, a woman and you'll experience the world differently as a black person means that like it should mean that default you have you bring a different perspective to the table and it's that diversity of thought that comes in where you at you actually as a board 
we will be able to challenge each other and tackle things mm. and view things from a different perspective. Mm. We see some of these, um, obviously you work in marketing. Mm. So you see some of these um, adverts that get put out and you're like, or like these kind of campaigns, and you're like, how does nobody so, yeah, see this? So many people, it's like the Fatima, wasn't it? Was the name Fatima? The thing that went out yesterday, did you see it from the government? Rethink, reskill, reboot. Or I, I said, um, if somebody don't get fired, <laughs> if somebody doesn't get fired. But yeah, there's other stuff. Um, how that, did you get that so wrong? How did so many people see this? How did they, how did you get that so wrong? What was it they, I mean, I thought Eat Out to Help Out was a bit mad, but yeah. Um, yeah, lots of people thought that it was a feminist movement. <laughs> what, Eat Out to Help Out? Yeah. Sorry, I've definitely, that's gone over my head. How? Has it gone over your head? I don't know if I want to explain <gasps> this on the social scene. <laughs> but, um, but if, yeah. I, if I speak. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's staying in the podcast. <laughs> that is staying in the no. podcast. Um, yeah, it's just, there's there's loads of kind of things that, See how holy I am, guys? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how can you be so oblivious? Yeah. And that's because, um, okay, there might be um, a black guy on the board, but yeah. if he's kind of grown up the same as, as yeah. the rest of the people that are on the board, mm. like, I guess you could you could argue that it's just doing it for... Yeah, or sometimes tokenism. people don't want to upset other people and they don't want to lose their position. So they're just... You know, they see they're the only person there and they think, oh, I just need to get on. I just need to be part of the wallpaper as opposed to actually standing up and saying, you know what, this isn't right. You know, it's like even yeah. like with me and my company that I'm at right now and you guys are gonna think this is so backwards, but um, we're only women like right now. Do you get what I mean? It's like a massively predominant, like my team's all women. And I said, we need to hire men mm. because um we do need that diversity of thought when we're doing our, especially when we're doing our marketing. I mean, yeah. you know, like, and that is why it's, it, you know, it sounds really backwards because you, you know, we've been fighting for this, but <laughs> at the same time, it's for like- We've well, been fighting for equality. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that. It's equality, not, I don't know what, what this is when it's just one-sided, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, it's for all the people who hate the word feminist yeah think that the that think that things are going to be like yeah um but i don't know i think that i think that the real kind of question is like do companies and do these organizations want to change um and that's actually one of the um the questions that is going to be on the um loop not luck um future of black talent um webinar come on oh, oh, oh. Yeah, shameless plug <laughs> 28th of october <laughs> um, <laughs> <6 PM. laughs> um but yeah in terms of like actually we're we're suggesting all these initiatives you've got all these mm. networks you get okay we've made our statement about black lives matter all this mm. other stuff um but do the people at the top really want to relinquish power and do they actually want to change up their organization because mm. if you have a load of yes men around the board who think like you and think and who you kind of know are gonna agree with you. It's a lot, <laughs> life is a lot easier, mm. but in terms of like the longevity of these organizations, if you don't adapt and if you're not reflective of the society that you're operating in, you will you will sink eventually. It might be a slow Titanic sink, but that you will sink. And yeah. I think that a lot of these organizations, especially when there's like older people at the top who are stuck in their ways, I genuinely don't know if a lot of them want to change. They wanna, they want the positive PR, mm-hmm. but do you actually want like me and you sitting on the board going like X, Y, and Z is not acceptable and yeah. making you challenge and reflect and yeah, do you know true. what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and like- It's true. And I think one of the things that I, and I've always said this, I absolutely hate is diversity and inclusive, diversity and inclusive, inclusivity training whatever they call it dni training i think it's yeah. absolute unconscious bias oh, i, stuff, I just yeah. think it's and do, i have several reasons quickly going to break them down one yeah the even the name diversity and inclusion i've like someone said this to me and i can't get it out of my head and it's actually funny because it came from one of my white um friends they said inclusion is like okay we're going to include you into our white space and i hate now i hate the word don't fucking <laughs> use inclusive don't, you know fired representation whatever but inclusivity is like it's it 
it, it, it anyway it's not even gonna go into why i hate it's that, that but same play play for little brother yeah <laughs> like, like yeah let him hang out with you and it's just yeah. like yeah the whole idea and then the training itself is often run by either white women mm. or um white men that are maybe um part of the lgbtqia plus community mm-hmm. or just um like some external persons come in to do the training you often actually don't see black people leading it um and there's two there's two arguments to be made here the first and i'll go into both the first is um should black people have to be the ones teaching mm. how you how to be diverse and how to be inclusive and do you get what i mean and how to do these things because the thing is with me is i remember when i was at it sounds like i bring up my old workplace a lot but when i was there one it was october and i just realized we had no um black history month we didn't do anything for black history month but when it was um um pride month we did a lot when it was um mental health month we did a lot when it was not to say that these things are all equal and they need to be treated the same but we did nothing it wasn't even a whisper a little pim nothing pure silence um and i've yeah and i thought it's funny because it's spaces like this where it's white predominantly male places that need it the most mm. so i went and i went to h and i said why didn't we do anything for black lives matter no one had black lives matter sorry for black history month and nobody had an answer nobody so i went higher and higher and higher until yes, i was talking girl. to the heads of com- and it's actually funny because my confidence progressed throughout my time there mm. it wasn't like i was just got it over the top but um yeah i went to the head of comms and I was like why is there nothing that we've done on this they were like okay we're going to start an initiative we'll give you a budget and stuff like that but why is it your responsibility exactly and that's the thing and I thought as a company don't you have any don't you have any shame like <laughs> don't you have any shame you don't shame yeah literally like are you don't, isn't this a priority to you like mm-hmm. isn't your understanding of how you have no one here these are the people that need it the most like and you have done absolutely nothing for it and it's funny because even then when i wanted to do something about it um i went to my other black colleagues um and asked them if they wanted to be involved and they were like what are you gonna do preach to the choir and you know some of them didn't feel like it needed to be their responsibility to do this which you know at the time frustrated me because i thought yeah but something is better than nothing yeah. and at the time i just couldn't see why someone nobody wanted change but i actually especially after the whole black lives matter movement can see black people are tired yeah we're tired why why can't you pick up your laptop and do research why can't you like and it, it's it's two things it's twofold because at the same time like i said i'm getting fed up of these white not to be rude i'm not being racist or sexist but white women leading training because their diversity is yes they are white and i understand that but um that yes they are women sorry and i understand that but the thing is and this is just me being frank it's actually a lot of white women that are the reason for a lot of segregation between white people in the workspace because you will see boards filled with with white women you'll see white men white women and maybe one asian do you get what i mean um and I have found a lot of, in terms of being pushed back down into my position, it has actually come a lot more from white women than white men. Do you get what I mean? In terms of like, um, white women will take a slot and be like, I'll be the diverse one. Yeah. Or um, they will, like I always remember, I think Tolly T did a um, interview um with chucky and they spoke about it and she said a white woman said do you think anyone would ever take you seriously because you're young and black and that was a white woman that said it to her <laughs> and i've had so many similar stories yeah. of that do you get what i mean um so i do think white women are quite massive perpetrators of racism and sexism mm-hmm. um which and it's funny because i don't know if they give that same energy to black men and that's a complex kind of nuanced conversation that yeah, needs to be had. A... Yeah, I'm not going to get into that now, but it's just um, so when diversity training is run by them, don't know if it's just me. Sometimes I get my back up about this, and I know I'm not necessarily being politically correct in everything I'm saying right now, but that's just how I've always felt because sometimes it's like I feel from some people you're picking and choosing when you're on our side and when you're not if that makes yeah, sense yeah see i had a really interesting conversation it was actually yesterday evening 
um, with my friend Rohan, shout mm-hmm. out Rohan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were basically talking about um, kind of, okay, so what do we, what, what are we actually trying to get out of the situation? Mm-hmm. What do we want? Mm-hmm. Um, there is um, like, if you think of one side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. which is kind of where that whole like inclusivity narrative is in terms of, oh, we'll include you in our, mm-hmm. in our we'll make you feel in included mm. in our work in our mm. workspace and you mm. kind of have to assimilate to how mm-hmm. we think profession yeah. like yeah. professional and corporate looks and yeah. how um we think you should behave and all this other mm. stuff and you need to basically um become like us to be included mm. in our in our space and in our mm. um in our workforce and community um and it's a bit more of like a like master servant relationship in terms mm-hmm. of like please give us budget please recognize yeah. black history month please yeah. um please acknowledge my existence is is equal to that mm-hmm. of my white peers and like mm-hmm. put out a statement for black lives matter and do you know mm-hmm. what i mean like please kind of like you're you're kind of asking for stuff you're on the back foot and mm-hmm. you're kind of low a lower like lower on the rung mm-hmm. i think that a lot of black people are completely fed up for ask asking for basic acknowledgement and yeah. trying to have a con- a conversation that we've been having for 50 mm. years in terms of like it's, it's kind of like mm-hmm. uh, lots of people are over it even young people who haven't been alive for 50 years are yeah. like okay so we were having this conversation in the 70s and mm. was still 2020 we're yeah. still still having this conversation it doesn't mm. seem like it's having um much impact and they're like mm-hmm. um and that's one level of it in terms mm. of like that kind of passive like mm. um let's cooperate let's negotiate let's explain mm-hmm. um um kind of let's not be too aggressive and argumentative mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. let's take the the long the long route to to kind of teach and educate mm-hmm. people um and then there's something in the middle which i think is closer to where i am mm-hmm. which is um i think that there needs to be some responsibility placed on the people who quote unquote have the power Mm. um to educate themselves Mm. and also to recognize that we're not saying this because we want to um take away your your power your leadership or whatever we're saying this because actually it's good for us but it's also good for your business and it's good for you and it's good for us as a society that this is not going to disadvantage you in any way yeah do you know what i mean we're not taking opportunities away we're trying to actually add our value to society and when everyone is not just kind of like um actively included but default feels like they can be them be themselves and feels like they are actually recognized um and that they aren't disproportionately kind of um impacted by certain situations um and by certain kind of biases and all this other stuff and they feel like actually it, it, i am going to be judged based on a meritocracy rather than mm. based on like oh we go golfing together and stuff like that yeah um then that's when you're going to get the best out of your work first and that's when you're going to be the most profitable and that's mm. when you're going to innovate and that's when you're going to become a like we're talking purely from the corporate perspective. perspective yeah and then right on the other end of the spectrum is people are like I, I give up like let's build our own <laughs> and I'm not gonna, I've, I've, I've gone I'm more onto that side of <laughs> in terms I think like, that's why um, a lot of black people and especially a lot of black women mm-hmm. um, are very entrepreneurial and it's funny because they're the fastest growing group of people to create their own businesses yeah the, so when yeah. we're talking about like um, not necessarily positives it's not the right word but the kind of the outcomes or the results of mm. misogynoir mm-hmm. um, I think that like black people as a whole are are so resilient mm. in the fact that even though they are facing facing like sexism and racism mm-hmm. combined yeah. um, to different degrees and through different kind of mediums and different experiences mm-hmm. I don't know, I have a strong kind of um, belief that a lot of people will be able to take that, um, a lot of black women be able to take that and mm-hmm. kind of mould it into something yeah. positive. Absolutely, absolutely. I do think so. Without trying to perpetuate the strong black women narrative, but yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, Sometimes yeah. you've got to sink or swim. One thing I was also thinking about, and this is a bit of a jump, but one thing I was also thinking about is, um, and I've heard so many people say this now, and I didn't really have this because I didn't have any black people at my old workplace, but um, people always say that 
they find that all the black people kind of congregate like and they naturally kind of yeah. like are drawn together um because of their experiences and because they have similar experiences and i know that i was listening to a podcast recently and he was saying it felt like you know it was like you know sometimes you see things on twitter and it's like name something that's not a crime but feels like it and he was like <laughs> hanging out with other black people at lunchtime and then he was like it's not a crime but people always want to like make a problem out of it and it's like they're ganging up and they're do you know what I mean and if they laugh loud or they are eating their um like he was saying that he was eating like gizzard for lunch yeah and then someone asked him what's gizzard and do you know what I mean and like mm. um like people from the outside look at it as like oh, it's a problem and people reported them for like ganging up or being you know they weren't doing anything and it was just interesting because it just made me think like even friendships at work can be weird yeah like because of race and gender like less so gender but sometimes uh, race can make it a bit strange if that makes sense um well you naturally congregate to people that are like yeah, like you yeah like we're you, similar in a lot of ways yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd hang out at work yeah, you know what yeah i mean um and like yeah what am i at lunchtime what am i going to talk to 50 year old dave about Mm. do you know what I mean we're not we can chat small talk for mm. probably about five ten minutes but yeah. there's not a lot for us to actually build up a, yeah. a relationship that's independent of a kind of yeah working kind of chit chat yeah um you're gonna go with young people you're gonna go with people who you can kind of be yourself around yeah, because yeah. your work self and yourself are mm. the same person but feel some like mm-hmm. it's filtered yeah um it's true um and it's it's just really interesting i think for me it it does and i don't know how like i have always struggled making relationships with um i don't know how i, I don't i really want to come off racist um and that's a debate <laughs> but um but um i don't know i've really struggled personally in making some friendships with people of other races i'll say um, in corporate settings because of the fear of, you know, just the lack of trust and a lack of, like, I don't know if at one point you're going to kick me under the bus to take your shot at something, if that makes sense. I don't know. Have you ever experienced that? Because I, I, I personally say I have. I've made some of my, one of my closest friends is actually a girl I met at my um, last, shout out to Ali, I know you're listening. Cause you're listening. <laughs> um, but she's one of my closest friends now and we met at, my old job and he said the name of the place <laughs> my old job um and one of my closest friends love her to bits and um i completely trust her but it's funny because there was other people i didn't feel like i could trust do you think so maybe it's not necessarily based on their race it's maybe it's just based on their character that's true then that's a good caveat that's a good point because yeah there's some people who you uh, especially at work you don't you don't give them the full picture because you don't you, you can't have them holding all the cards yeah it's a it's a it's such a weird it's weird, weird space you know like. sometimes what's weird and i've got about three or four white male friends that i would say i'm fairly close to mm-hmm. but other than that whenever i meet new white men i just assume we're not gonna have anything to talk about <laughs> maybe that's something that you can work you on. can work <laughs> on change because if i'm completely honest um in terms of um if i'm thinking about that wouldn't stop me from having the conversation but i always just think it's going to get to a point where it's awkward there's been a lot of if i'm thinking about my kind of career history there's been a lot of white men actually who have been the people to vouch for me and give me opportunities Mm. um maybe it's because that statistically there's more of them (laughs) in that position Mm -hmm. to be able to do that Mm -hmm. but um no i think that if i'm kind of i think now more that my kind of day-to-day work is Mm -hmm. based in kind of like diversity Mm -hmm. i've definitely been building relationships with more black senior leaders Mm. which is um a different kind of dynamic mm. because you've got that that rapport and that kind of understanding because mm. alongside being professionals you've also got a common goal in terms mm. of um trying to make sure that the future generations don't mm. have to have this conversation and don't need to fight this battle they can just be their best selves yeah and excel at being a um being a coder not being mm. a female coder or being a black coder you yeah, can just yeah. i could just be a coder yeah, yeah. that's that's the that's the goal mm. i guess but um 
if I'm thinking about early on in my career, like I actually put a post out on LinkedIn, um, which kind of said how I kind of got lucky mm-hmm. in terms of I went along to, uh, I was at uni and I went along to a graduate recruitment fair. Mm-hmm. I hadn't done anything that day at uni. I was like, let me do one thing productive of my day. Mm-hmm. Um, I went along to this graduate recruitment fair and um, at this point I was going to start a business um, to try and solve the fake news problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I showed my like business plan to this guy mm-hmm. um, who was head of central bank sales um, at where I eventually got a graduate scheme. And we built up a relationship, mm-hmm. white guy obviously, we built up a relationship over email. Obviously. <laughs> well, I'm talking about white guys who are giving me opportunities. Uh, okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> obviously. <laughs> Challenge your bias. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and um, he told me to come along to this women investment banking event. Um, I went along and, um, and um, if he hadn't have kind of mm. told me to do that, then a woman in recruiting, um, um, a white lady she gave me a card and said apply for the graduate scheme but mm. it's just loads of things yeah. happened by chance yeah. mm. and even before that um, to be able to get my like, work experience it was um, two like um, white guys that are like friends of my dad mm-hmm. who worked for a small kind of financial wealth management company mm. who like gave me the opportunity to do work experience there mm. um, and even now one of the guys, Stephen, he we have like monthly catch ups, and wow. like he he'll give me he's like a, a non executive um, board member for like huge companies. Like mm-hmm. his time is like worth a lot of money, and we have monthly catch ups where he gives me business insight, and we mm-hmm. run through stuff and plan. Okay, by next month you're gonna execute X, Y, and Z on your business, mm-hmm. and like he holds me accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that to to him like race yeah. isn't a thing but to yeah. me I'm like actually there's a lot of like we kind of sometimes demonise the white man mm. um, and I think that there is um, some responsibility that they need to take to mm. to help tackle the problem Yeah, and it's difficult because when you're not directly affected by something mm. sometimes it's hard to take that initiative when life is happening just yeah. like how I feel like I need to um, take some time out of my day to actually um educate myself mm. on trans lives mm-hmm. and understanding the dynamics that happen within that community because mm. that doesn't directly affect me yeah, so absolutely. it's not something that I go out of my way to mm. to read about or to to do and I'm like I'm asking someone else mm. who's in the same position but it is affecting me and mm. I think that it's a it's a it's an attitude that needs to change within mm. society um not to just to be colorblind or mm-hmm gender blind or, or and not see it but to mm. recognize it mm-hmm. and take your responsi- responsibility as a as a member of society yeah, to yeah. to to acknowledge someone else's experience mm. and you've got to take your education as your responsibility in all mm. all spaces your education is really your responsibility to um ask another question and kind of to kind of move on to a different kind of and I'm going to come back to what you, some of the stuff you mentioned in a bit. But let's talk about Loop then. Because you mentioned that... Loop, not luck, I should say. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that you felt that you were quite lucky and you chanced it and you kind of got a few opportunities. What made you kind of start Loop and what is your hope? Kind of like... Because I do think it's related to this conversation about opportunities to get into spaces that may have not been um, available to you. Do you get what I mean? And I'll give a quick example. I mentioned to you before we started recording was um, a friend of mine um, was applying for jobs um, and has a like um, an African name, like quite a traditional African name, um, was applying for quite a few jobs, wasn't hearing back changed her name to a her middle name and then got a lot of opportunities yeah um actually that was not directly my friend but a friend of my friends if that makes sense and that was the story i was told um got a lot of opportunities got interviews had opportunities got a great job now um what is it that made you start loop and what are your opinions on situations like that and how how do we tackle that you know um, so 
question what is it that made me start loop mm. it was the fact that so when i was applying for summer internships at university mm-hmm. um i'd sent off tens and tens of applications mm-hmm. and didn't have wasn't doing the right degree i mm-hmm. studied english and philosophy and i wanted to get into finance didn't have any work experience and just got rejections from all of them with no explanation as to why or where mm-hmm. i was going wrong mm-hmm. um and luckily I was able to, through my network, get a couple of weeks of work experience, mm-hmm. um, kind of ex- just expenses paid really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a fortunate enough position to be able to not work for a few weeks over the summer mm-hmm. and kind of do an unpaid internship. And um, then the situation that I explained before in terms of kind of stumbled upon mm-hmm. an opportunity at an investment bank um, by building a relationship with someone mm-hmm. and I'm like there are so many like just random turns that would have that would mean that I would be in a completely different place right now yeah and I don't think it would be a better place mm. um, I mean you never know but <laughs> I'm like <laughs> been a minute, you know? I don't think that it should be left up to luck mm. in terms of getting exposure to opportunities and um, and kind of yeah getting your foot in the door within these industries that can be so life-changing and these career opportunities that have been so amazing for mm-hmm. me to be able to like like mm-hmm. where you start makes such a difference in terms of your trajectory yeah um and and yeah i feel like if it's if you don't i feel like yeah it's kind of just sets a foundation for your entire life and i feel like people who don't have that network to tap into mm-hmm. um, in terms of like, if your dad's a lawyer, you can get a couple of weeks work experience at a law firm. Mm. You can just go and shadow your dad. Like it's, it's not difficult. It's that idea of nepotism, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I I guess to, to a certain degree, I benefited from mm. nepotism, from knowing someone who could give me some work experience and mm. um, from being in a fortunate position to be able to, to afford to be able to do that. Mm. But I'm like, it, it was completely like mm. there was hard work I, I studied so hard for mm. my interview like mm. it's, I'm not saying that things are um can just be handed to you mm. but I'm saying it's that last like it's that last like 10 percent in terms mm. of yes you 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 do need to be good you need, mm-hmm. need to be qualified you need to be smart you do need to be prepared mm-hmm. but if you don't even know about the opportunity yeah you can be all of those things and it doesn't matter Not, yeah, yeah and I'm like actually like companies are investing hundreds of thousands, millions of pounds in terms of making sure that they've done blind um, blind CVs and all this other stuff and that their psychometric testings aren't mm. biased and they say, oh yeah, we're super diverse. Like, there's no bias in, mm. in our hiring process, blah, blah, blah. We make a note at the bottom of our applications. We welcome applicants from all backgrounds, blah, blah, blah. But what are you proactively doing to go and actually tap in and reach those communities that you claim you want to apply? Mm. And when companies are asked about um, why their kind of kind of workforce, why the makeup isn't diverse. They say we don't get the applicants. Mm. So I'm like, especially for people like students that are starting out in their career, you, mm. like loop. Here are the applicants. We've mm. got a whole database of diverse talent, um, mm. like female ethnicity um, and race, and also socioeconomic background, because these are the people who, like statistically, might not have the the connections in the industry to be able to like facilitate those opportunities for themselves mm. um, and networking is such an important part of, of building a career um, and yeah so Loop Not Luck is just trying to level the playing field in mm. terms of making sure that um, kind of using technology to recommend the right opportunities to candidates yeah, um, and increasing their um, access to relevant opportunities mm. because everyone knows about the like mm-hmm. everyone knows that Goldman Sachs have a graduate scheme, but mm-hmm. do you know about this investment management company that have got a really cool apprenticeship that's mm. that's going on at the moment? Like you only really know about that through word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. And apart from the big names that get a thousand applicants mm. per one role, like actually there's a lot of stuff that's that you just don't know about. Um, and yeah, and people only tend to find out about it if they have people that are in that space yeah. to connect them to that opportunity. So. I'm like, actually, there's so many talented, talented students out there mm. that deserve to know and to be able to apply um, and be kind of recognized for these opportunities. So like, let's kind of build a pipeline to get them in front of the right people and so they can launch their careers and fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the, that's the gist of it. 
perfect. I think that's exactly, and that's what I wanted to, and that's the re- reason why I wanted to do this podcast with you in general because I've never seen someone just, you know, it's funny because the experience isn't like just directly your experience. You're seeing it around, you're seeing what's going on, and you're actually doing something to innovate and implement change. Mm. Um, and I just think it's amazing. And if you guys shout out Loop right now, <laughs> where where can we find Loop? What can we? Um, so at Loop Not Luck on all socials mm-hmm. and loopnotluck.com online. Yeah. So online, yeah, yeah, that's that's like mainly what I wanted to. Yeah, that's what I wanted to focus on. That's what I wanted to talk about. In terms of to to leave things kind of like to you know to wrap up and to kind of leave things on a high. I don't say this is a high because it sounds like a sad story, but it's a good story. <laughs> um, for me, um, and what also made me want to do this podcast is because I had quite an interesting experience as of as of late. My company that I work for now, um, is an amazing company and it's run by a black female CEO, um, who's absolutely phenomenal at her job and she's really um keen at finding the the best applicant for the job um and looking for diversifying her team and just she's really amazing but one thing that happened earlier this year when the whole coronavirus situation happened um and it was you know time to like look at who we need on the team who are core members um i had been at the company two and a half months i want to say um and i am the head of marketing and events there um and you know i'm skilled i'm trained and stuff like that but i've been working two years at that point do you get what i mean um and it came to who's going on furlough and who's staying around and she directly had to make some decisions by people against people um and it transpired that she actually kept me on no furlough full pay whole pandemic i've still got my job now um and she actually directly in my space when you know having to report to the board who who would be put on furlough put on furlough another man who was a white male who was in his 50s and who had been working for the company for 24 years wow you know um and the reason is and i asked her why and i was like is it just because i'm a black woman like because i don't want you to and she's like no because you're more skilled you know how to deal with like all the digital stuff that we're doing you know how to move like we need you do you know what i mean and it made me realize that sometimes there's people in positions that are there because they've always been there not because they're the best yeah or when it comes to shaking the company to the the core to its core who then who's needed and it made me realize actually i've worked really hard over the last two years to like increase my skills to do above and beyond and I'm not trying to be that person that says black people have to work twice as hard to get, you know, mm. half as much. But when it comes to, and, it, and I, it's not because my manager was black that she picked me and I, you know, I, I don't I'm gonna make that really clear. It's because when it came down to it, I was the better trained person. I was the person that the company needed. And we didn't do the same roles, you know, he was higher up than I was. In fact, he was a lot higher up than I was. Yeah. Um, he was actually a director and, um, it when it came to down to what you needed if you are uh, ultimately if you're put in positions where you are directly the better skilled person the more agile person the more flexible person this can't situations like this whole pandemic is going to make it really clear who's needed and who's not and for me that gave me a lot of like weirdly a lot of hope and joy not just for myself but for others and other people who i know are extremely skilled and extremely and it it showed me that if we can train and become skilled and work hard now if i make you take a position i don't need to be fearful of okay i can't put this person on fellow i can't make them redundant because they've been here and they're white and they're male and they get on with everyone that that actual decision she made gave me so much confidence to be fearless because she defended that decision to the board like to the board of um trustees and she completely rationalize it like you know like i said i managed to keep my job and stuff like that and obviously it's terribly sad for my colleague but um it showed me that actually people can be changed and persuaded because that board is a board of all white elder men if that Mm. makes sense and they signed off on that you know and were happy for her to do that so it it just goes to show that um it really showed you just gave me so much confidence and so much faith that change can happen and will happen um I think it's also important that you have that 
advocate in the yeah. room that's talking and that's backing you up because yeah. if she wasn't the CEO, yeah, would yeah, would that, would that train of thought still been the same? No, and but the fact of the matter is that she's she's kind of paved a way. Do you see what I mean? So mm. she's worked hard to get that position, um, and has not, and even her getting that position was a big deal, like massive deal. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? But then she's not just got it and stopped there. She's made an opportunity for me, and I'm not just gonna get there and stop there. Do you we, get what I mean? we didn't even talk about um, like the relationship between like older black women and younger black, black women, women. Yeah. in the um, in the kind of workplace because I've kind of found that um, let's just say women in general, mm-hmm. some of them are they want to be that only. Mm women on the board because mm-hmm. that's maybe that's who they kind of that's what their identity is tied up in mm-hmm. and they're not too fussed about bringing up other women mm-hmm. because they see that as competition mm-hmm. um and then there's the complete opposite in terms of like there are women that are in senior levels that are like yes i will mentor yeah. your i will mentor you we can go for coffee yeah, yeah. this is what you should do like and mm-hmm. they'll really be trying to pull up as many mm-hmm. um women and especially like black senior leaders like mm-hmm. pull up as many young black women in companies as possible and i think i've always like, i've spoken to over my kind of like entire career that kind of weird like it seems like like senior women are one or the other mm-hmm. either like are completely pro like mm-hmm. let's try and get as many yeah. women in um, up as possible or they are they could not care less yeah perfect well <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast thank you for having me it's been an absolutely sensational conversation sensational sensational um I really love this podcast and guys you know me I'm called the social saint and you know I would love to always tie in some kind of Christian point and say something but I want to be completely transparent I really prayed and thought about this podcast and you know how do I can how do I tie into Christ? And at the end of the day, I do sometimes think that conversations need to be had, and I I can't I'm not gonna sit here and make up or try and grab a scripture <laughs> and force it into being relevant. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, we as Christians need to be also having these spaces in Christian circles and with our, within our Christian communities. As what can we do to best um, align ourselves with this movement? whilst not having to um sacrifice or um feel like we are being less faithful to our traditional christian or maybe seen as conservative views if that makes sense and i think that we also need to challenge that thinking um especially when it comes to gender but um like i said i'm not about to force a scripture in here but I definitely think it's something that as Christians we need to be aware of and we need to have and we need to have these conversations in spaces because this does exist within the church. It's not just within corporate settings. It's not just within social settings. It's also within religious and um, Christian spaces. So this is a conversation that shouldn't end here. Um, and so that's my main encouragement out of this um, as a Christian. But um, other than that, I think it's been a phenomenal conversation i haven't got much more to add um thank you for having me darling you've been amazing really broke down your thoughts really <laughs> i felt like i was just rambling <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast sydney um where can we find you on social media i've actually changed my social media handle about three times <laughs> recently yeah I've seen at, it. The, <laughs> at the moment it's um s y y d e r s so sidders mm-hmm. with with two y's um on instagram i'm not really that active on on twitter and then linkedin is sydney samuels mm-hmm. um and yes you can find me at, on instagram at rianne waters or at the social saint podcast so yeah that's it for today thank you see ya bye mm-hmm.